And welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Mike Connolly. Hello. And Tara Connolly. Hi there. And we are going to tell you all about Inada Burning Flesh from 1993 today. Such a cool, such a cool one. It is. Uh, it's a little departure from the sort of noise we normally talk about here. It's a little more on the sort of industrial noise, dark ambient tip, but it is a great record. And I'm certain some of you, uh, your tastes out there run this way too. So, and if not, check it out. Maybe you like it. Well, yeah. And I, and I know that, you know, this was a big part of your path into getting into noise. And there's, I know there's a lot of other people, a good friend, Jim Rose, a uh, good friend of the podcast, same kind of thing, you know, this industrial noise, dark ambient, cold meat, you know, this was kind of your path into getting to, you know, full on noise, correct? Yeah, yeah. Loki Foundation was a very important label to me and I collected all their tapes early on. As soon as I started hearing this stuff, I was just obsessed with it and managed to track down a lot of the cassettes. I'm only missing one tape from the early discography at this point. Wow. So yeah, so I think it's I think it's appropriate to do this and I think it's cool to kind of start you know, reaching out into little different areas, you know, still obviously focusing We're on exploring the tentacles of the noise octopus. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So th- I'm really psyched uh, that you want to do this and can't wait to uh, dig into it. But before we dig into it, Mike and Tara, what have you been listening to? Well, it's been not a, not a ton uh stuff. But uh, uh, speaking of the Loki Foundation, I was uh, in reading about... In a day for this podcast, I checked out Sleep Environment for Interplanetary Travel, SETI, uh, on Loki, and it was phenomenal. It's eight hours long, um, and it's just like crazy, far out um, soundscapes with interesting tones. Uh, and it is incredible. I, I mean, it was, you put it, it blew my side. mind. Yeah, we just listened to it. We just kept it on for hours. It was such a, just sets a great, great atmosphere. Uh, when it's on and yeah so he there's been other albums before but this is the newest thing and it's an eight cd uh eight hour long thing so massive yes it was was great it was wild we really sleep environments for interplanetary travel where did you listen to that on Bandcamp for the loki foundation fantastic yeah so you can check all that out there and yeah we were also listening to some other anade albums on there that were amazing uh the newest one nine colors of the threshold Fantastic. I don't even know. Oh, great, great album. So good. Super good. Um, also, oh, oh, also, we uh, were watching some of the uh, episodes of the Pain Factory public access show, the uh, DVD set that our friends at uh, Influencing Machine put out. It's uh, a great, great oh, DVD set. So it's cool. so good, so mandatory. And what's cool is the, the one of the highlights was on one of the um, episodes, it shows M- one of MSBR's uh installations Installations. and and it's it's one we believe it's his last installation that he ever did and the name of the installation was sudden infant i mean and it is a reference to the project sudden infant but (sighs) and and i don't think joke had anything to do with the the thing i think he just named it sudden infant that's cool which i love and and it's like that ladder it's a real junky installation with ladders and like there's this like speaker going at you know uh rotating and it's so cool, and and he said that the just, the museum and the gallery were like, were not into it, and like other some of the other artists were like, 
not no the like, sound was yeah people didn't like the just constant feedback and like oscillating crunches it's funny because i had some friends over earlier this week and i also popped in the pain factory dvd Yee. and watched uh watched that same it's so uh, cool. installation and some of the other performances uh there's a radio sound performance on there that's really killer scott arford of course just a a favorite around this house um uh, pain factory is just I four DVDs of public access done by Michael nine in the nineties in the Bay area um, performances, live performances at a public access studio. And then also stuff people would send in like Koji sent in a video of this installation that was made and it's highest recommendation. I think it's almost sold out. We'll try to put a link to where to get it. But uh, if you have any interest in nineties noise history and performances and public access and noise that was actually on television, yeah. Pain Factory. Oh, it's so cool. And there's a new set out too, uh, Fuck TV, which is by Michael Nine and Scott Arford. And uh, that's also being released through Influencing Machine and uh, I think Michael's own imprint. Uh, haven't gotten that one yet, but we will. Be it's going it to happen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. It is imminent. It's, it's really exciting that this stuff is becoming made available and um, we're very thankful for it. Also, a couple new, a uh, couple of the more recent hospital releases. The Albrecht Linecraft 10 inch is just phenomenal. Um, I think the Linecraft side really, right now, might be my favorite um, recorded Linecraft stuff. Obviously, we got a chance to see them live, li- both Albrecht and Linecraft this year in mm. top sets of the year. Amazing. No, no doubt about that. And then also checking out the new Geography of Hell double, uh, double tape. R- you know, recent. It was out for, you know, a few months ago. But Oh, that got, one's great. Got around and checking out uh, as we were getting ready to come here, actually. And it's just, you know, Geography, one of the best, if not the best, just industrial projects going on right now. Love it so much. I love it because it's, uh, it's really dense with a lot of texture and, and kind of movement within sort of these monotonous pieces in a way sometimes. But it feels so narrative. Yeah, there's a story in every Geography album, and it's, you know, always highest recommendations on that. And then also, as we were getting ready, we wanted to, you know, get pumped for noise, get pumped for some uh, some some noise podcast recording. And so we threw on an older slogan CD a few episodes ago. Obviously, we all mentioned how much we love the new slogan CD, and it's been getting us uh, to go back and re-listen to some of the old old albums. So we were, we popped on uh, Kill to Forget on Jinx. And I mean, come on. A classic. Oh, yeah. We were we were in the streets and it was it was awesome. So it really got us. And ladies, it's great getting ready music. There you go. So you heard it from Tara. Your eyeliner will be extra sharp. There, <laughs> there you go. So you heard it. You heard it straight from Tara. But that's uh, that's the main stuff we've been listening to so, since we saw you last. So oh. what about you, Mr. Holger? Well, I also listened to the Linecraft Albrecht split, which is fantastic. I just got it in the mail, so... Pop that one on, and uh, yeah, it's just a great ten inch. I love ten inch too. No, I mean, nothing more to say that you didn't already say. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ha- yeah, highest recommendations. Uh, I got a package from my friend Mike, and uh, he sent me some three inch CDRs he'd done. And anyone that knows me probably knows my oh yeah uh, affection for these this little format. And so I got to I got and listened to. God is War, a scream heard across the universe, and that's uh, Mac from Kufar doing, ah, it's nasty, modular, harsh noise, but also somewhat rhythmic, but not beat-driven. 
um, it actually reminds me of some of the like classic Mersbau stuff in tone of like like Taro Machine, where it's like rhythmic, heavy noise, but it's got a more modular bend to it. So there's a lot of crazy sounds and stuff. Uh, the Rita Overdriven Makeup Worship Women in Stage Makeup, which is uh, really just an absurd <laughs> three inch. <laughs> it's uh, just recordings of uh, makeup tutorial. Like from YouTube. I can't some, wait to listen like to this. It sounds great. Putting on their makeup. It's amazing. Like kind of a little bit blown out. It's really crazy. Viper. The push, pull, bend, repeat. Three inch. And that is, uh, it was recorded on my birthday this year, which, oh, is, nice. which is a funny thing to see. And uh, that is Joe Romer from Macronympha doing guitar-based noise. Uh, he's got a gear list on here. Carvin V3, Black Les Paul, Metal Rods, Marshall Amplifier, and WMD Geiger Counter. Uh, <laughs> great, great intro. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's got that font. It's got. It looks like classic Mom Savage macro typeface. The collage is great. There's some snakes and a skull and some like... You know, oscillators and some medical shit in the background. Uh, it just looks really cool and it sounds really good. It's like 20, 23 and a half minutes. These are some like handsome three inch CDs. Yeah, they're all in uh, like handmade, uh, like glue pocket, three inch glue pocket sleeves. And then I got one from a SFB, which is Sodomy from Beyond. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea what to expect. It looks very like, uh, you know, necro electronics stuff. And it's, it is, it's a Mexican project doing like really nice, heavy electronics, power electronics. Great disc. I, I was surprised. I'd never, I uh, wasn't familiar with this project and this, uh, well, I can't say I had any expectations, but they were exceeded or, you know, it was well met. I was, uh, I want to hear more. And then uh, I was in a power electronic zone after listening to that, and I threw on the self-titled Control CD that Malignant put out way back in the, who knows, the 2000s or late 90s. Um, actually, I guess it's on Black Plague, but it's just like 10 tracks of, or 9 tracks of, it's just 9 tracks of super <laughs> dense, layered power electronics, uh, buried vocals, nasty tones, heavy bass, lots of distortion. He's released tons of stuff since then. I have a bunch of control releases, but I felt like popping on just the OG to, to get in the zone. And uh, I think that's it, except for I've, I've been completely obsessed with this one Culture Club song. <laughs> Time Amazing. Clock of the Heart. <laughs> and so I've been playing it and singing it like all week. I don't. It, my friend Scott came over and we were like watching some YouTube videos. <laughs> and that that one came on and it just, I just got in my head where I can't stop listening to it. Well, we'll have to jam it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it'll be a, yeah, the outro. It's really good. Ooh, we can do a gray karaoke on that song. There you go. Put, post that one up. <laughs> I have a playlist that's just my favorite like sad songs breakup songs love songs unrequited whatever that sometimes i just want to pop on and listen to and that's that song is in there it's really good well you know maybe if we push gray we can get a karaoke version on the patreon so we'll see what happens <laughs> awesome so that that's uh that that that's your uh you're listening for this week yeah, I'm, you awesome. know, there's other stuff I haven't been as good about writing it down. I'm trying to keep it in a pile now so I can remember what all it was. Uh, but I think it's time to start making a list. You always show up with a list. Yeah, we. I try to write it down when when I put something on. I try to write it down uh, just to, you know, remember. Yeah. Same with Tara. She she wrote a bunch. I've of been stuff trying down. to. <laughs> I think it's nice. We're gonna try to put some links in. 
for this stuff when it's available, uh, either digitally or physically. And for today's pick, which is the Anata Burning Flesh, uh, we are discussing the tape version. There's a CD version and also digital that has uh, five bonus tracks on it. And it was issued in 2000 and then reissued later. So you can find that one. And I've added a Amazon link to that. If you click on that Amazon link, it's a it's an affiliate link. So we get a couple pennies if you buy something through there. Oh, that's and that's fun. cool. If you're looking for digital, uh, there we go. It's a way to support the podcast If you and a way to support the artist. So those are things I recommend. I can't believe you have the original tape. Yeah. Again, this is like Loki was an obsession for me, this, uh-huh. this record label. And it's run by uh, these these guys. Uh, this this is their house label. So this is their like, you know, their imprint, Loki Foundation, uh, also Power and Steel. And of course, uh, Inada is two members, uh, Newt and Renee, and they also comprise uh, X Order. So if you're if you want something on the more power electronics, heavy electronics end of things, check out X Order. So did you come to this stuff? This is like pre getting into Mersbau. Is it correct? Or was it around the same time? Around the same time. Yeah. Late nineties. Um, yeah. I don't know what the first thing I even found from this was at this point, but I had a contact who had a lot of these tapes that they were selling off and I just kept buying them and kept falling in love with them. I was obsessed. Like, the packaging was always pretty weird and unique and also kind of simplistic sometimes just black on a, on a piece of colored paper with some like weird blown out imagery, which this is also, it's on like parchment paper and it's just black. It's got a nice little uh, inside. Oh, but the cassette is just, it looks so good. It's just got a solid black sticker. Their tapes oftentimes had a, a mishmash of labels affixed to them. So this one has what looks like like two inch wide electrical tape with holes cut out for the tape label, something in that texture of a piece of little vinyl sticker. Sometimes they're handwritten on the like TDK or whatever. Oh, like, I thing love that. that. Came in it. That's great. Uh, sometimes it's a printed, just a printed piece of paper that was like glue sticked and has certainly fallen off. I have a few that have fallen off and I've had to do a little, little tape label repair on them. Um, yeah, this one sits on display in my house. Like this tape, you know, my, it looks so good. My Loki section is prominently displayed in my tape racks, and this one is uh, because it's not a Norelco. It sits up top of it, um, because it's just I always like to think about them. Well, and I think kind of Tara bring up this idea of these, you know, the different tentacles of noise. You know, th- this is a project that you know we really only came to, you know, very recently. You know, maybe a year or two ago started digging into this stuff, partly from looking at your tapes and asking you about some of these tapes and going to check this stuff out. And I really, we, you know, we really, uh, have taken to a lot of this stuff, especially the Anade stuff. Um, but like, you know, at the time, the tentacle that Tara and I were probably on while you were kind of collecting this stuff, you know, we were probably listening to like to live and shave in LA. Like that was kind of the tentacle we were on when we started getting into noise, you know, spurting out into that realm. Whereas you were kind of going down the, this more industrial path. Yeah. The kind of dark ambient death, industrial power electronics thing was certainly a little, it was just dark and more to my liking. Whereas the kind of the energy and a frenetic, vibe of something like to live and shave in LA. Wasn't That's exactly I the word I was going to use to describe it. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you, I always credit you as being, you know, one of the people that introduced us to a lot of the more Euro stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of the more power electronic stuff, you know, at the time, 
you know, really we were, and me, mean, obviously still are, you know, obsessed with the white house. And that was really our power electronics. Whereas you kind of showed us a lot of the other, the other realms of power, electronics. flesh so, that world out. Yeah. Which, oh, you know, so cool. Oh yeah. That's a, I like playing records for people <laughs> and like, and talking check, about it and, them, talking and about then recording them. a podcast about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how this is all born. Right. <laughs> so let's dig into burning flesh. Wow. I mean, Again, we're talking about the cassette here. So eight tracks, just a sprawling, exhausting, cosmic drone industrial record, like rumblings from the void, uh, strange voices. It, it Every track is just great. There's a couple standouts, but every track is like just cool. And it also has this vibe to me of, it sounds like it was recorded on cheap equipment. It sounds like a cheap keyboard, a a cheap distortion pedal, and some reverb and processing. But it, there's and some tapes of something. It's really s- simple in what it sounds like it's composed of. But they got a nice, rich palette of sounds out of all that. Yeah, it's it's very like it elicits lots of images in your head. It's very soundtrack, um, just full, full. Like even though there's minimal layers, it's it's lush and filled out. The first track starts just right into the abyss. I mean, you, it just opens into the abyss with this just still void that you can just stare into. And you know that's what you're going the rest of the, the rest of the way. A hollow drone rising out of the void mm-hmm. as it comes at you. Yeah. I, I found the first track to be soothing. Yeah, I mean, I think there is something to be said for, I mean, this whole tape, there's you know, a soothingness in the darkness, you know, it's even though there are, there's tense moments that keep coming up throughout, there is an overall like meditative quality to this, this whole thing. It's all very slow moving. Things are introduced slowly and deliberately, uh, except when they're not, sometimes there's an obvious Mm -hmm. like on off of adding more distortion to a sound and taking it to another realm or, uh, an alternate processing of something that's already running comes in and sounds crazy. This one has these like layers of colliding drones. Once you get that hollow, like dead space open, there's these drones are just sort of like, it's called overture bells, this first track. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if they were, they were using some, uh, some overture bells to <laughs> slow down in there as a sample. There are some slowed down, uh, muted bell tones. Also this whole record one of the things that I love most about Loki Foundation is that there's almost no high end on any of it. It's, it's very oh my God, yes. low and yeah. mid. It's very, it's, know, a, it's vacant black electronics. You know, it's just, there's yeah, there's not a lot of highs cutting through. And, you know, there, there are, when, when they, when there are, is a different higher pitch tone, it's, it's buried. Yes. More muted and, it's the crispness is rolled off of it. You know, the, the like upper frequency range of everything is just kind of gone. And that might owe to some clever EQing. And it might also owe to like just four track recording and, you know, not having the best tape stock or something back then. I, I really don't know, but it's a, it's a trademark of like the first dozen releases in this labels catalog. And it, it sells it to me just immediately. Yeah. It's a, it's a gut rumbler. And this one halfway through, there's just this low growl that comes into it too. You get this nice rumble. I, it's a perfect way to open what's what is to be the rest of this record. It sets the stage absolutely. 
for Shattered Bones, the second track. Oh man. <laughs> it has that it starts with that great like minimal tone. Yeah. And it kind of keeps it it's 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 less dense at first. And then there's these kind of lower tones start to rise and then kind of get pulled yeah. away again. It's, yeah. it's bones on a millstone. Yeah, so there's a there's a definite like drone well going on here, like some kind of grinding underground sound. And the subdued bass tones that come in are really nice. And they're just, again, everything's so muted. So uh, it coming in is just this sort of like strange presence in the track. Oh, yeah. And, and near the end of the track, it's like... Uh, all of a sudden, it, it it sounds like fingers on crystal glasses, like this nice crystal clear resonant glass, and then it just fades back into the low groans. Oh, right. There is almost a false ending to this yeah. one, I yeah. think. Yeah. And yeah, but, and throughout the thing, it's just you know, it's just like water slowly swirling on its own, and walls are blurring. And I wrote breathing in and out, and I also had yeah. uh, crystallized. The highs are crystallized. Yeah. Yes, the, absolutely. There's a couple notes that are played on in the highs, but they're so buried up until kind of the more the end of the piece. And the, yeah, there's that heavy drone kind of false end, and then it and then it comes back. You get a little silence, and then it comes back with some high notes that are now revealed because there's not all the other sounds going on. And then back to the drone again, <laughs> like, wait a minute. Uh, I think that was a really cool way to end that piece. And, and the transitions are really, really nice. Like nothing's jarring. Nothing. It's nothing like a, a harsh tone that just cuts off and abruptly starts. Like everything is just really flows well sonically into the next piece. Yeah. This one was really mellow, but the next piece is when we start to get the, true sense of doom with the coming of the black legions. Yeah. Things start to really ramp up. I mean, this whole album is obviously ordered purposefully. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's conceptual. It's, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, deaf things start rising here for sure. There's some weird kind of a uh, clinking at sort of a different distances. Yeah, going on. It's like, it's this weird, like empty clang. Yeah. It's so strange. And it feels almost like uh, the start of a ritual or something is going on. And then you're hit with the war drums. Oh. And wow. And the drums, it's so simple. There's just this bass groan and these fantastic, like, it's just simple. It's just a, you know, very simple, repetitive drum pattern, but given all the other elements that are then going on, it sounds so cool. And, and it, it's so easy to make that cheesy, like yeah. to make like a, a war drum sound corny, but it doesn't at all. It's, it's no. just such a nice, even smooth palette and it's, and it's ominous. Yeah, it is ominous. One of my favorite things that happens in this track though, is that those drums get distorted. Like I, it sounds like, because I've done this before with drums, it sounds like <laughs> they put a metal zone on it. Well, I mean, it, it there noise this is this is a part of noise starts to appear in this track more and and it starts to rise over and then there is a rhythmic element to it but then it kind of there is also some non-rhythmic noise kind of subtly rising here there or at least i that's what i was hearing yeah. and then yes and then the drums kind of start falling into the distortion so it is this really weird melding of these sounds kind of clashing and then mixing together this is my gold star track for this one. This is the like absolute. Uh, it's three minutes and eleven seconds. I feel like I'm robbed every time I listen to it because I want it to be 
four times longer. Yeah. I would say most of the tracks, similar feeling. Yeah, but yeah this one this for sure. This and the next track I wrote too short. They're just too short. Yeah. Like I want, I could listen to this for an hour. Yeah. It's amazing. And the next track being Final Prayer, which opens with this nice, like subtly shifting tone. Sort of descending bell tones come in. It's the, the lovely, like, like a prayer bell, like you're being called to yeah. prayer. Well, uh, it's, and this is the one where I was like, is that 110 hertz? <laughs> <laughs> so I've been reading about 110 hertz can take your brain into like a meditative state. It's the low A uh, and it feels like it on this. I was trying to play them simultaneously, but this is where you just like you can feel the low sounds like right in the pit of your stomach. Uh, it's just captivating like what's happening uh, with the with the bells and these like surreal voices coming in, like it, you start to travel in your mind. During you're, this definitely, track. you're definitely taken away. You're whisked away in this track. It's, you're, you're not in this world anymore. When, while, while, when, once this track really pulls you in. Oh, this is a good time. Cause we had been doing a lot of debating on how to say, um, is it, uh, inade like Shade or is it innate? Uh, Lots of debate. I think uh, we've probably all said it all different ways already on this podcast. Yeah, I think that might be true. <laughs> and so um, I do have like their take on it from an interview in 2000. Um, and they say uh, when asked if it was a term that they invented or if it was an actual thing, they said, um, yes, it's a term shaped and composed by us to create a tangible and nameable shell for our projections. No more and no less. So a tangible and nameable shell for our protect for our projections. Like that's perfect for these soundscapes that they're making right that's here. That's great. No, that's, that's absolutely great. Your 2000 is when I saw them live actually. So that interviews from the same, same year. Amazing. And um, where, where did you see them? I saw them at the Octung America festival, which was on the frying pan in the Chelsea Harbor in New York city. Um, I talked about seeing, uh, Borbato Magus, oh. Solmania. This was that same. And, and you, this is also oh. when you saw Hydro Caden, right? Yes. Or, same yeah, yeah. trip. This is the same this trip. Yeah. Wow. What a great what? trip. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Inad, Inada. <laughs> See? <laughs> Inade. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Inada, Exorder, Control, who I mentioned earlier, wow. of course. Cazodio, Gray Wolves. Condom and Slogan all played wow. on uh, November 17th. And on the night before, November 16th, was Regard Extreme, La Joya de la Princesse, Navicon Torture Technologies, VLK, and Bloodbox, who was uh, one half of Yenpox. Wow. What a cool fest. Who did that? Uh, Malignant Records put that together. And uh, brilliant. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was like my first time seeing any of this sort of caliber of band live. What did Anade do live? Uh, they did the, they played laptop and like didgeridoo and had, I'm trying to remember if there were projections or not. I can't remember if there was a projection screen. I feel um, like for a fest like that, there's gotta there's be There's definitely, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I just can't remember. I remember like Ligia de la Princess had torches, which would, you know, the frying pan is a, a ship that was pulled up from the bottom of the ocean and restored and they like have weddings and, and public events on it, but I guess they rented it out. So you're in the side of this old ship that's, <laughs> that is rusty. It's, it's rusty inside, like almost everywhere. It looks insane. Like the place where the, the bands played 
the, the behind them was just like covered in rust, like not a little bit of rust. The color was rust. Oh wow! I have some photos from this. I have to I have to find them. Oh, you have to dig those out. K two is yeah. gonna need to play that. Yeah, <laughs> play that rust. Um, yeah, and I and I played uh, what I remember being a very good dark ambient set. I was there partly to see that. I mean, the whole lineup was pretty right. killer. Um, but yeah, they were just fantastic. Uh, back then, like top, top of the game, I think, uh, what, what had just come out then? The crackling of the anonymous. Yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. the, the, like the, was the most recent CD and that one's, I mean, oh, you guys probably listened to it. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and, incredible. Yeah. They're, they're, I think maybe I even first came to them through the Aldebaran CD before finding the tapes. And then that's what led me down the rabbit hole. Now mm -hmm. that I, now that I get a chance to remember it. Um, and X Order, their alter ego, also played that same night. So got to see two sides, you know, of the same coin, I guess. That's so cool. Very jealous. It's funny that, like, two of the other bands we listened to in recent listening. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> multiple. Yeah, no, it, it, it's cool that we just pretty much still listen to <laughs> <laughs> the bands that we saw that back then. Yeah. And Culture Club. Now we've got Outcry. And this is a little more aggressive than everything that's happened before. So it, we are getting a little, it is, the vibe is starting to turn. Made it through the overture bells. The Black Legions have arrived on piles of shattered bones. We've made our final prayers. And now it's, it's the outcry. And it's this really like encompassing drone. It's just, it sounds big. And there's all kinds of sort of rattling, shaking feeling spinning feeling going on like these different sounds uh it's a pretty it's a pretty heavy duty piece to it's, come into it's the heaviest atmosphere so far in in the tape yeah it reminds me of a like a heavy wind in a cave like it's just it is big is the right word terry you had a pretty cool quote from them from an interview this is a quote from an interview for black magazine in autumn of 2001 uh, and they're just talking about, you know, how they view their own sound. Uh, and they say, we see Anade as a kind of echo sounder in unfathomable depths and abstract spaces, which is about going beyond the sometimes static and often repetitive principle of ambient music by adding more attributes. Each individual piece should be given its own and at the same time unmistakable grade. What exactly makes the sound of Anade? We prefer to leave the judgment to other people. Yeah. But I think that's cool. And I think that's exactly how these tracks, you know, feel. There is, there's all these new elements being introduced and taken away and added and creating its own, each track is creating its own atmosphere, but then put together as a whole, there is an, there is an entire larger atmosphere at work. It's funny because Outcry again is so short. It's just a little over three minutes. But then we come into Storm of Fire, which is the longest piece on the tape at seven, like almost eight minutes. And this one actually, to me, has a direct link to the piece that follows it, uh, while, where everything is sort of disparate and adds to the whole piece. Storm of Fire and its follow-up of Burning Flesh are uh, two, two, uh, two, in the, two of a kind. Burning Flesh is the obvious successor to Storm of Fire. In, uh, in its lineage. In Storm of Fire, the universe exhales on this one. It's just breathing out just gaseous fire. Um, 
Yeah, the the organic sounds of like wind and water from before are more like the crackle of a fire or that that sound that like a really um, big fire makes when it's just sizzling and whirring. There's a really deep modulated drone note going on this thing too that just keeps kind of warbling there. That little yeah. tone ushers in the fire and it's it's so heavy. This, now, whereas Outcry was the heaviest so far, this is the heaviest track yeah. on, on the tape. Yeah, and it does that ear flutter thing when you're, you know, feel like the sound's just like bouncing around in your brain. There's a Halfway through this piece, there's a single drum that comes in. Just simplicity. And that brings with it more crackling and buzzing. It just intensifies. Yeah, it's this this great synth tone and and attack that to me was like the brightest part of the fire. That's yeah. that's what that yeah. part was. Yeah, the me. fire just keeps intensifying. Everything's bright. You're in the center of it and everything is just burning and burning and burning it's and, an incredible build and i think it was the first time for me that something really sounded electronic like everything could have been like a you know derivation of a an organic sound but this is the first like oh it's an electronic sound it's good. right yeah and, and again i'm sure that it was electronics is the yeah I, I agree it's the first time that it really does feel like a synth yeah. yes and that leads into burning flesh which has this like white reverbed nasty stab yeah and it's like it's like a flare up it's like yeah. these like yeah. flares that kind of are shooting up and then disappear and shoot up and disappear and then that that modulated bass comes in again from storm of fire and you're just it's so heavy but you get some spoken samples on this one maybe three different voices i, I picked up. hard I oh tell. yeah it's kind of it was, it was almost like evp or something like that yeah where it's like i it's they're so low and in the mix and i can't tell if they're being layered it's very strange and alien it's sounding. intercepted radio yeah just so cool i it's a it's such a nice follow-up to storm of fire which is kind of a you know twice as long as this piece and then you come into this one and it's it's got it's carrying over the vibe from that. It's certainly like the, there's one of the same sounds in it, but it's used differently. And the piece has a, just a different vibe. And there's, the, there's these lonely tones that appear and disappear in the background that keep kind of shifting and moving around. I love it. It's so it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's such a great, just this entire, this entire path that they created on this whole tape is just so, so awesome. And once the flesh is burned, we go through the gates of death. The gates of death are <laughs> open and welcoming us. And that track is... Th Honestly, this could be my favorite track. It's it's very minimal in what it does, but it, what it does is so effective to me. Death reveals itself. It's the first thing I wrote down. Yeah. Yes. Those opening sounds, you're like, this is it. This is, the, this is your glimpse. The fire, the fire is out and death's door is open. And there's a giant gong in Death's Door. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, this, just a soft reverberating gong. Like the the war drums have been placed replaced by. It's almost like searchlights underwater, like murky water. You're just getting the the gong cuts through like a beam of light in a molasses thick murky water. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yes, I was, that's nice. I was um, for me those sounds were that were 
different ga- gates opening to different levels of death. Oh, so that's so a very gate would open anata. and then a different level of death. <laughs> <laughs> then a gate open and then a different level of death. Yeah, that's I, super them. <laughs> I was thinking Cosmic Maw. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's a lot of subtle movement in the background on this one, and it just kind of keeps moving, and you keep getting these, I don't know. I, in a way, I like the the sort of a flashback cut to uh, hallucination and reality in like Jacob's Ladder or something. Yeah. You know? Like this, they should play this at the Parisian catacombs. Like this would be just chilling. You know, there's a um, there's an ossuary in Brno, Czech Republic, that actually had uh, they hired a composer to make a soundtrack just for their bones. Oh, oh wow! They, they should have hired these guys. It's under the St James Cathedral. Uh, if you're ever in Brno, I highly recommend going there. And there's a Capuchin crypt like around the corner where there's 41 interred oh, remains cool. that are have been where they were since they died, I believe. Oh wow! Okay, so what did it sound like? Uh, the soundtrack's like minimal. Vi- I think it's a violin. Probably uh-huh. the violin composer uh, that they hired to do it. Um, it's really nice. I've been to this this ossuary a couple times actually. How, it, so, it, like, how big is the is the structure? Uh, well, it's it's in the basement of the St James Cathedral, and you go down some stairs, and then you go through a hallway that's all nice bones, whatnot, and then there's sort of a so- side hallway, and the side hallway has one of my favorite things, which is uh, there's there's a stairwell at the end of it, and they just stacked skulls on every step of the stairwell <laughs> wow. and it, so it's just these stairs it's skull stairs go like oh. leading up to like nowhere because that part's been bricked off or whatever um and then if you go back down the other hallway you're in a large room where they have a like basically the walls of of bones made and they have uh there's a large column in the middle of the room that's a uh, like circular that's just covered in skulls and bones Wow. I mean, I've seen pictures, obviously, but yeah. oh wow, to see it in person must be insane. This, this one's really great. I mean, this this one, uh, it's it's a completely different vibe than like the said like Ossuary in Kutnahora, um, which is kind of the more famous one from the Meyer thing and uh, Moonlight Hidden Beneath the Cloud photos and stuff. Oh like yeah, with the bone chandeliers and that stuff. Uh, this place doesn't have anything sort of like that, but it's much better kept than the catacombs in Paris. Like, and you, which you've been to as well, right? Yeah. yeah. When I, yeah, when I'm on vacation, if there's someone's like, there's a bunch of bones near here, then I'm I'm making the time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Good vacation tip. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Email Gray at Noise Extra if you got a lot of bones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Or if you just want to know where the good bones are. So you had another really cool quote from an interview from them. The main focus is to transform ideas, concept, or legends, which are congruent with their own thoughts and interests. And Nade is like an echo sounder into unseen, unheard planes and abstract spheres where the anonymous becomes alive. We want to place traces into interdimensional spheres from where the listener gets a sonic silhouette, a puzzle of innumerable pieces. The development of the music was probably half calculated and half have elements of chance. During the first years, we changed our equipment quite often and mostly worked with very limited sources. That is why the final resu- results were more or less depending from what sound the sources gave. Later, the conditions became much better and we were able to control and influence the process in the way we wanted. That's so cool. And obviously this tape would be an example of when they sources were probably a little more limited. You know, this is their first thing. This isn't the first tape. Oh, oh it isn't. No. I, I guess I thought it was. See, there you go. I thought it was. What no. is the first Isn't it like a collections? The first tape is uh, Schwerta, which was a... Uh, Double initially released as an edition like twenty four double cassette okay. uh, between them and Dagdemore. They both titled their album the same thing and released them together. And uh, 
this is the second cassette. Okay. Well, it's an early tape. Yeah, yeah this this is 1993. Um, I have a third edition copy of it. I haven't seen the earlier editions or the. There's a Burning Flesh Seelenhain box set or Seelenhain box set. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never seen that. Someone's got one for sale. Grayheadnoiseextra.com. Thanks. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. The Grove of Souls. The Seelenhain. Oh, yeah. I don't know about this. That's, that's, what, that's, that's, what, it, that's what it translates oh, to. I, I just wrote it down because I really like that title. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's just early crude works by them. And if you want to hear something more refined, if some, you know, this sounds too simplistic, I don't know why it would, but if you want to hear something more refined, uh, the, the CD Aldebaran is sort of their once they, I think they could fully realize what they were going for. And so that is like, out and out cosmic mystic drone. We've really taken to that one. We've listened. We listened to that a lot this week. That's a like a late night record for me. It's really it's it's pitch black. It's up there with like Lustmore Heresy and that kind of thing. Like it is you know, Paradise Disowned, whatever. Like dark, dark ambient. Well, but also cosmic. They have this crazy stars align, almost like Lovecraftian other worlds vibe to the the feel of that piece. I mean that, and that's how we've been experiencing it. We turn the lights down low. Tara's got a glass of red wine. I got an old fashioned, and we just kind of sit and go into different worlds, and yeah. just sit sit next to each other, look straight ahead, just kind of enjoy the visions in our brains. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah, one of the things that this podcast. It's one of the things this podcast has taught me is to make dedicated time for actually listening. I know everybody's busy and. It's, it can be hard to sit down, you know, you put music on in the background. We talked about this before, but we sit down and really focus on these records and it's such a joy to really just pay attention to all the details of the thing you're listening to, um, that I can't, I can't recommend it enough. I like the image of you two sitting on a couch, not looking at each other <laughs> or talking and just listening to a record. Although I do that with you once a week. Right. Yeah, that's true. No, we do that too. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's what else, what else but is it, it to do? It's so, it's relaxing in a different way, like, um, than, it, than being distracted by 20 things at one time. Yeah, it, it, but it also, there's a relaxing element to it, but there's also an inspiring element yes. to it. And, and when your brain is a little more relaxed, it almost lets that inspiration sink in. And that's what I like a lot. I definitely get inspired when we, when we do like dedicated listening and I hear, I hear things or production techniques or sounds or just get an idea and it's not trying to get an idea, you know, taking someone else's idea. It's just these things pop in your head of like, Oh, I could do this in this way. They, Oh, they're doing it like this. This is a unique thing. What if I tried, you know, for those of us that also make noise, which is probably a lot of, a lot of our listeners, uh, it's, it's really nice to listen to stuff that's kind of influenced you and go back to it and pick out how, and in what way, like, this record influenced me with what I do with Hive Mind, obviously. And I can tell that and I can listen to that yeah. and say, oh, yeah, this reminds me of, you know, that set or that tape or whatever. And, and I love that. But but again, it's not there's no it's not like some derivative or some, you know, copycat, but it's taking the inspiration and filtering it through, you know, your own your own brain and your own techniques. Yeah. And this release, especially, I think the what I was thinking about consistently and the lesson that I learned from it is that you don't have to have as much going on as you think you do. Like it's so minimal. 
like the the vocals are buried. You don't know the words. The titles are minimal. Like everything is very pared down, but it's so interesting. Like it's really like take the the meat and just do it well. It's very effective and it's it's done really well here. It's funny to think about this being uh, an influencer, like a cosmic sort of drone project because I'm really more concerned with terrestrial issues with (laughs) (laughs) but again it's just again it's just taking it and filtering it into your own interests part of our shared human experience yeah absolutely (laughs) well great thanks so much for picking this one and kind of going a little bit off the path that we've been on but not you know like just another little little tentacle on the path no you know this is very cool to kind of also get a glimpse into how you got into you know more noise stuff yeah this thanks for listening to this one with me it's a it's one that's been with me for a long time and something i i i regard this band very highly and uh it's cool to you know we're going to talk about noise that is not the noise that you like or that you know or you know who right, right. listeners we're going to talk about Stuff we know, stuff we care about, stuff we're passionate about, and stuff that uh, might not fit in the harsh noise box all the time, but is still noisy and a part of what we like. So excluding something like this seems foolish. It yeah. keeps deepening our appreciation for noise. Like each each new facet that we see, uh, it just deepens my appreciation for the whole genre. It's lovely. Absolutely. You've been listening to Noise Extra. I'm Tara Connolly, here with Mike Connolly and Gray Holger. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, home to noise artists for 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at Patreon. You can find our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Noise Extra. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra. On the web at noiseextra.com, one E in all of those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra with three A's. Thank you for listening to us, and thank you for listening to Noise.